0: Welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today as always are Lauren, Salutations, and Daniel. Hey! Today we're discussing Season 6, Episode 2, which is titled Last Rights." The episode aired on October 7th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago?
1: Due to a lack of on-the-court chemistry with Charles Barkley, former Chicago Bulls player Scotty Pippen is traded by the Houston Rockets to the Portland Trail Blazers for a staggering six players. Pippen had requested a trade although he publicly stated that he wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers to reunite with Lakers head coach Phil Jackson. Do
0: you know anything about this, Daniel?
2: Uh I just know that both uh both ends of this transaction were a failed experiment. Uh the first Aww. the 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 Charles Barkley Houston Rockets end of it was kind of the first modern attempt really at forming a big 3, which is kind of a mm-hmm. standard uh standard thing nowadays um but back then I believe it was Pippen um Barkley and I want to say it was either Clyde Drexler or maybe Hakeem Olajuwon was still there I think I point.
0: saw Hakeem Olajuwon yeah when I was looking into it
2: so they they formed a, a you know quote-unquote super team and yeah it just never worked out and uh. these two have been these two have been very bitter about it over the years since like um Barkley's very bitter about it, um, and Scottie Pippen claims that Barkley showed up out of shape that year, so uh, he's very—they're yeah, very, right. very catty about it. And so then, and then he gets traded to the Trailblazers, where they have one really great season at uh, his first year there. They take the Lakers to the they were up by like 12 points with like 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter of game 7 and they completely shit the bed and oh. and lost and that was the end and, and and after that they became quickly known after that as the Portland Jail Blazers because all of their players Scotty Pippen aside all of their players started getting in legal trouble after that uh, so it was kind of a little bit of a shit show and i think within 2 years of this trade i think he it, it certainly no more than 3 um he's back on the bulls uh, yeah, for one, I, one very forgettable last season yeah, was before 2003, he
0: 2003, 2004, I think is what I read. Yeah. I looked. At, there, there was like no news this week, so I just looked deep into this. This is this interested.
2: is a this is very much the twilight of Scott. Both these guys, uh, Pippen and Barkley. This is very much the twilight of their both of their respective careers. They would be uh, out of the league. Barkley, I think, might have been out of the league the very next year, and Pippen only has two or three left. So.
1: I didn't think my soul could leave my body this early into a recording, but here we are. Get back uh, into it with
0: the next, with the movies.
1: Three Kings, starring ER alum George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube debuts. Mackie but, Mack. But falls just short of taking the box office crown from Double Jeopardy.
0: It was like $2 million separating the two, so hmm. not not as close of a margin as I imagine Mr. Clooney would have hoped, but...
1: Yep, And Unpretty by TLC is the number one song for its third and final week. This song deserved to be song of the year. I love this song so much.
2: (laughs) And as far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with Ross's Denial. At 8.30 p.m., we have uh, Jesse with the episode Students Get Flu, Carrie at Zoo, Monkey Throw Poo.
0: (laughs) Students still have flu. Uh,
2: Um... Yeah, great. Okay, Uh, (laughs) I don't I've yeah, the less said about this episode title, the better at 9 p.m. Friends with the episode radio. I'm sorry, Uh. (laughs) Frazier, Frazier, not Friends. That would have been uh, let's get Frazier as a guest spot on Friends. Let's do that. Uh, Frazier with the episode Radio Wars and at 930 Stark Raving Mad with the episode. Sometimes a fritter is just a fritter, which that one I highly approve of. Uh, This week's episode had 28.2 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, doing his 7th out of 12. Uh, Ones of his we talked about last season were Sticks and Stones and Friendly Fire. And written by Jack Orman, doing his 8th out of 28. Uh, His from last season included Responsible Parties, Vanishing Act, and The Good Fight.
1: All right, and again, we have no previously on for this episode. And we are brought in with Carter's creepy cousin-in-law, Elaine coming in as a trauma is going on and the ER is shot kind of weird sort of through her perspective with this really haunting music yes. and it's like really twisty like you're walking through a fun house almost as mm-hmm. she looks in on the different traumas and everything and of course it opens with a patient seizing for like an hour is what they're talking about as she first comes in and I'm of like great right, cool just so, for you Lauren just for me um but yeah she's She's just allowed to walk through the whole fucking ER looking for Carter without anybody anybody asking anything. Just walk on in. No problem. It's fine. Great. That's so weird to me because of how the ERs in Chicago are now. Like you can't go anywhere oh, no. without checking in with security first or anything.
0: With so, all of the swipe card things you yeah. to all the different parts of the hospital.
1: So this is just bizarre to me that she just walks in, goes right back into she's in the trauma rooms. Mm-hmm. at one point yeah, like
0: no one sh-
2: shoes her out
1: no they're just doing yeah. their thing yeah
2: just I, I guess that was more like of a post 9-11 thing because i definitely have met my dad still works in a hospital today and, and i have vivid memories of him of going to visit him at work when i was a kid he worked in the laboratory and being able to just like go right up to his bench yeah. where he worked and i remember like post 9-11 that was like oh that's the end of that we will not be doing that anymore
1: <laughs> it's just it's just so another good time capsule here of just like yeah, yeah, somebody asks when she first walks in, like, "Hey, ma'am, do you need help with anything?" And she's like, "No," yeah, and then just walks on. We find out why she's so out of sorts a little later on. But... It's
0: because Tony leaves us after this brief appearance.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah. So there's a couple of weird things in this opening sequence here, uh, besides just a the couple. way, it, besides just the way that it's shot and the general weirdness of it and the music cues and everything. Like it's 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 a very strange way to open an episode, but. We do get in this sequence a very brief appearance, blink and you miss it appearance of Tony. Um, I believe he's arguing across a bed with Halle about uh, when, where, and when a patient is going to be transferred. Um, And this actually marks his final appearance. So this is Tony getting bobbed here um, is his little thing here. And I wanted to note, I guess, because I just maybe discovered it for the first time. Did we talk about when he first showed up that Tony is no longer with us?
1: I don't Uh, think so. Yes.
2: So the actor who plays Tony, whose name I neglected to write down, and I apologize for that. I'm Go back. And when he first popped up, that's when we talked about him, uh, the actor um but apparently he died under somewhat mysterious circumstances in 2013 uh he the hell? he was like discovered in his apartment um already bleeding and possibly already dead like it was very the 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 article i read about it was very cryptic it was like he was found like with abdo he had been to the hospital the night before and didn't wait because the lo- like the wait was too long so he just checked himself out and went home and then he's found dead in his apartment the next day with abdominal bleeding and like they but they said the abdominal bleeding was unrelated to the his death it, it was very strange the whole thing is very strange um go look it up if you're interested but just thought we should mention that uh since it's his last appearance we won't be seeing any more of tony And,
1: uh, yeah, and she finds him, she finds, uh, Elaine finds Carter.
2: Yeah. Did, did, uh, did either one of you see this? No. uh, That the patient that, so she finds Carter in like the trauma or not the trauma room, the, uh, the suture room just past the trauma rooms. And he, you know, kind of turns around. He's like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing here? It's like almost midnight. And the patient that he's treating has devil horns. And I don't mean that he's wearing like cart, like costume jewelry, like, the you know like the things you put on top of your head um he has like devil horns in his forehead like he has them like attached to his forehead it's very it's a really strange visual and once you see it you won't be able to unsee it so uh yeah this is the possibly the weirdest opening to an episode we've ever had i would like, say so it's per- it's got to be up there if it's not the top yeah uh well let's go into a more
0: somber uh situation we go cut over across the country to San Diego. Mark is doing the dishes at his dad's house. Uh, Neighbor's helping him clean up. They just had the funeral for his mom. Um, Mark tucks uh, Rachel in on the recliner and goes out to the garage where his dad is woodworking, so let's listen to their conversation. I'm not afraid about... Waking up the neighbors? Earl's deaf as a post. They
1: all leave? Yeah. Good. What are you making?
2: I promised your mother I'd build her a linen chest. Okay.
1: Good night. Yeah. That was a good speech you gave today.
0: Those things you said about your mother.
1: I had good material. Yeah. Color guard was nice, Dad. You okay? Depends what okay means. Want me to stick around a little longer, a few days? Rachel loves San Diego. Dad? Doesn't seem real, Mark.
0: I buried my wife today. I love Mark's dad so much. Yes,
1: he is so good. But also, (laughs) I need to know, when when Mark just goes, okay, about what the dad (laughs) says about the linen chest, it reminds me of a Daniel... When, when one of us talks about like how, just like, just when one of us is complaining about something obtuse or weird and Daniel just goes, okay. Okay. Like <laughs> it was, it was the, the exact tone that, that Daniel yeah. does with us. And it was just like, that's, I've heard that before, oh, but also, man. yes. Okay oh, then. <laughs> but oh my God. um His, his dad. Just yeah again, John Cullum. So Love good him. to have him back. I just want him to just read me books.
0: See, that's part of the reason why I like this mid this this section of the show we're getting into, because we'll have more of
2: Yes. We'll have more of him. A lot I more of him. Uh I, I was sort of surprised to see how, you know, little after this he factored into the episode because I was like, Oh man, we're getting Mark's dad back. Yes, great. And then this was it. This was the only time nope. we get to see him. So but I know there's more coming, so I'm excited about that. But it was just like, Oh yes, great, he's back, and then they take it away from us.
1: And his his little thing when he says it just doesn't seem real.
2: Mm-hmm. Again, both, and this is you know true too of of the actress who played Mark's mom as well. Like, kudos to both of those actors for being able to portray so much, um, so much history and so much like, um, backstory with so little screen time. Like, you feel every ounce of what he's feeling here. And you've you've really not been given a whole lot, and the and the little bits you have given, uh, keep in mind, are a solid two years old at this point. We haven't seen Mark's dad since season four, so right. m- mid season four, so like it's been a while, and and yet you're immediately put right back into that frame of mind. And I just... I'm
1: I'm not sure. Like yes, it's heart wrenching that they kill Mark's mom here, but I'm not sure what would have been more tragic, them killing Mark's mom and us getting the beautiful story we get with him and his dad reconnecting or them killing Mark's dad and him having to deal with the fact that he never got the relationship with him that he wanted.
2: Yeah. And then but, like
1: that remorse with his mom afterwards.
2: Right. And they sort of, I mean, she, pl- cause last time we were dealing with his parents, his mom had had a stroke, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was like the that. thing. And they sort of allude to prior to the stroke, they sort of allude to the idea that, mom's kind of memory is slipping a little bit like she's forgetting mm-hmm. things and so i wonder almost if they knew they were going to do the alan alda storyline and they were mm. like we can't have two storylines going that are too similar right. so maybe if if, well, we're, if we're gonna make mark lose a parent it would be better to lose his mom and then we can deal with the dad drama
1: right and they could have also baited us too because the dad also had the really bad emphysema
2: Right, yeah, so. they, they did sort of leave the door open either way That we could lose one or the other So, it's very well told
1: Sorry, tangentially related But then we are in with bangs
2: And then, do you hear those alarms in the distance? Mm.
0: you hear your fuckboy alarms mm. going off in the <laughs> distance? Because we got a new doctor here And as as uh, Daniel so lovingly wrote in the notes He's the captain and co-captain and, and MVP of, t- of Team Fuckboy Dr. Dave Malucci. The
2: the hated rivals of Team Jerry, Team Fuckboy. <laughs> um, would you like to describe... No, let's, let's um, listen to the... Let's, da- let's, let's get introduced to him first, because I have fun okay. facts. I have fun okay. facts about Dr. Dave. Yeah, Daniel wrote a novel oh my about, God. about Dr. Dave. I'm so, so excited for
1: uh,
0: this. He is uh, fixing up a punk kid, like... Punk kid or goth kid.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: an alternatively styled gentleman uh, whose nose is bleeding and, like, his, like, lip brain got, like, ripped out or something mm-hmm. like that, and, yeah, he, he got the, looks like he got the shit kicked out of him, so let's listen in.
1: Fun
2: stuff, huh? Yeah. So, you got a good look at the bastards? Well, the skaters, they all look the same. Dr. Malucci? It's Dr. Dave to you, Lucy.
1: No new fractures.
2: Jeez, uh, Rick, it looks like you banged up your chin before. They don't like the way I dress. Last time I slammed my head in a car door. Like they're the height of fashion. Hasn't your principal done anything about this? Where did you go to school? Okay, buddy, I'll let that get numb, come back, and stitch you up, right? Um, okay. Mr. Zito, the copd is retaining. Ooh. Can I decrease his O2? Sure, why not? Two liters? That sounds hey, Dave, like
1: something. excuse me, did
2: you call plastics on that lip? Uh, nah, I got it. If it's through and through and crosses the Vermilion border, we usually uh, call plastics. Well, he already has a scarf from the first time it happens, it's all the so.
0: reason. Randy's got the on call list.
2: Two liters, okay? What? How much should I decrease his O2? Ooh, I don't know. Crank it down if he turns blue. Crank it back up. You're kidding, right? Well, purple ain't good. Just keep his pulse ox above 90, OK? OK.
0: Hey, it's Jackie Joyner. Hi, Jackie. Nice spandex.
1: Get a life.
0: It's good. She's <laughs> hot for me. Yeah, you've been here three days, she's hot for you. It doesn't take long, bro. Looks <laughs> like your drunk is back oh dude what happened i just charged you two hours ago you got no one to hold him <laughs> he was passed out in the middle of Wall wabash when did he have the time
2: you haven't met vodka joe some days he's into it you got times.
0: no one to hold him he should have left his IV
2: and nice of you to bring him back officer
0: just doing my duty man. you got no one to walk
2: away exactly you you got this. i got it. thank you so much oh god it's like they it's like they cut off one of Clooney's nuts and made a person out of him <laughs> I hesitate.
0: Uh, to, I hesitate to say he's the third part of team Cl- of uh, team. Oh, he Eagle's is. Clooney. No,
2: he is. He's all the parts that we gave Doug shit about in season one. Okay, he's all Fair of enough. those parts just boiled down into like their most black tar pure form. Uh, <laughs> can you tell I don't like Maluchi? <laughs> so. Yeah malucci he's here for the next two seasons so yes i was very glad when i was mapping out our 2022 calendar i was very glad to see that our time with malucci can completely be contained within the year 2022 we will we will meet and (laughs) say goodbye to him both within the same calendar year and i'm very two seasons seasons in one episode i I do
1: have to say this his intro here is not as glaringly awful as i remember yes we know we hate malucci but like here I was like, okay, he's just he's a little punk, but like yeah. he's not he's not glaringly awful yet. But Daniel, you wrote a seething uh thesis about him, <laughs> so let's go.
2: I was uh having trouble I got woken up early this morning and I knew we were going to be talking about this today and I couldn't get back to sleep right away and I just started writing fun facts about Malucci. <laughs>
1: this and- this this reminds me of when Bimmy ate your toes, so you decided you were going to get up early to record yeah. or something. And yeah. just...
2: all my best stuff comes to me at six in the morning when I can't. Sleep. Is this is this just all your opinions?
1: No, these Sh- are facts. Oh yeah, facts. these are these True are facts.
2: Facts, tm. True facts. Air air, okay. air quotes facts. Uh, so to get the actual like real facts out of the way malucci of course is played by actor eric palladino who uh by the way i would like to point out the dichotomy between uh actor and character here it's it's the character it's this is very much a cynthia hooper situation i got nothing against eric palladino he seems like a perfectly fine actor and a perfectly fine person and i have no problems with him whatsoever it's just his character that i hate uh but he is most famous uh, not only for er but uh for appearing in the tv series suits and 666 park avenue as well as the uh, feature film U-571, and he is making his first of 47 appearances through 2001. Uh, and as Lizzie uh, so lovingly pointed out before we uh, listened to that most recent audio clip, uh, he is the captain, co-captain, and MVP of hated Team Jerry Rivals, Team Fuckboy. Uh, a, team, a team that will only <laughs> expand as the series goes on and we start meeting more and more of his ilk. Uh, But some other fun facts about Dr. Dave, he refused to take the Hippocratic Oath because, quote, I think of myself as more of a libertarian, actually. Uh, He's voted most likely to treat a patient with ivermectin. He accidentally enrolled in medical school when he got lost on the way to his college's gym. He opposes stem cell research because he thinks flowers are gay. Uh, He once co-authored a research paper with Joe Rogan about how keg stands are an effective treatment for scoliosis. He has definitely written the phrase, just asking questions, bro, in the diagnostic section of a patient's chart. <laughs> he thought the ending of St. Elsewhere was, quote, bold and groundbreaking. You cut there. He still remains the only doctor ever to be sponsored by Monster Energy. So, <laughs> Well done, sir. Well done. And a fun note that I was not aware of until I did the research for this episode, an actual fun note that is an actual true fact, uh, apparently John Stamos auditioned for the role of Dave Malucci uh, and got passed over, Whoa. Uh, only, only to return to us, uh, what, a solid seven years from now uh, yeah. in season 13?
0: As the captain of Team Fuckboy in the later seasons. I was going to
2: say, he's certainly, I would say he's the sixth man. He's the sixth man of Team Fuckboy. I don't know if he's a starter on that team, but... He's he's definitely a valued bench piece. He's
1: he's a little bit in that vein, yeah. Yeah,
2: he has his moments, but yeah, Malucci for better or worse is now joined the party.
1: Uh, but yep. We go on to his drunk patient is hitting on Jeannie, and Reggie tells him to stop hitting on his fiance, which Yosh overhears and is surprised. That's gonna spread like wildfire. Everybody knows you're engaged <laughs> now, Jeannie. Um, Yosh knows everyone knows. Yep. Uh, Romano is presenting at a conference up in one of the lecture halls, and while he's presenting, Benton asks Lizzie if she can cover for him this morning because he has somewhere to be. Romano, of course, sees the students talking in the back of the class and announces, A, for them to shut up, and B, that Lizzie is the new associate chief of surgery, which she looks quite shocked to find out, as were we all.
0: Yeah, he's like, direct all of your complaints, everything... Everything Direct everything at her. Everything that you directed at me before, I'm more important now. Direct everything at her.
1: <sighs> then we it's go over... Thing. It's a whole thing. Then we go down to Carter is working on a woman with melanoma, who I believe we learn later her name is Amy, and he asks if she'd had a seizure lately because of her altered mental status. And Dad says that, no, she'd just been in the ICU, but she doesn't want to go back. She just wants to be more comfortable.
0: He's, yeah, I believe... He doesn't actually have the DNR papers, but I believe here is where we...
1: we, No, I don't think here is where we talk about the DNR quite yet. But But, we find out, yes, she does in fact have a DNR.
2: Yeah, we can sort of glean as much from his demeanor towards all this. And our father here is definitely our most recognizable, oh hey, it's that guy of the episode, uh, played by actor Michael Harney, uh, who is most famous for playing the warden on Orange is the New Black. Uh, that is him. With, okay. Uh, he, yes. He's got gray hair, in orange is the new black, whereas he is sporting ah, a okay. head full of brown hair uh, in this episode. Uh, but he was also in the TV series Deadwood, and apparently did the voice of Darth Marr in the Star Wars: The Old Republic series. I. That's a that's ammo that's Star Wars MMO. I was
1: so Daniel definitely wouldn't know about yeah. it. Yeah.
2: I, I'm I'm counting on Lizzie to know Star Wars extended I, universe stuff.
0: I know of the game and I have played the game probably like thirty forty hours, but like I never I always did the light side stuff, and that sounds like a dark a character. You Fair did. enough,
2: Inter- but uh, yeah, so very recognizable face, uh, even though he doesn't mm-hmm. quite look the same as he does uh, in Orange Is the New Black. But as soon as I saw him pop up, I was like, "Hey, it's that guy."
1: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't place him, so thank you. This was one where the minute you said Orange Is the New Black, I was like, "Well, fuck." Yes
2: uh
0: and then we've we've apparently had a little bit of a time skip from the beginning of this episode to now um because mark is back in the er uh carol asks how he's doing he, he calls her huge because...
1: <laughs> he comments on her size but yeah he insinuates that she's massive
0: yeah i mean you're growing twins inside you. you're gonna you're not gonna be that's not gonna be a tiny unrecognizable baby no bond. you're
1: not gonna be spelt.
0: yeah um Carter expresses his sympathies to uh, Mark, and Carol asks Mark if they can do coffee later. Uh, apparently, Dr. Weaver, in her infinite wisdom, has a new charting system, which Carter actually says is pretty neat.
1: <laughs> what a dweeb.
2: little kiss-ass, yeah. Uh, and then we see Carrie welcoming Mark back in the hallway and uh, assures him that she'll train him on the whole chart system later, to which Mark replies can't wait which oh man I've I felt Mark's pain in that moment like coming back Mm -hmm. from a vacation or just coming back into the office and finding out something has changed and you're like oh, this is gonna suck I don't want to deal with this
1: yep I am both Carrie and Mark (laughs) you have been both of these people I I am both of these people always yes
0: let's go to our next audio clip here Uh, Corday has some words for Dr. Amano about that whole ambush of a job offer Lizzie, 20 minutes. It took you 20 minutes to come and see me. I'm
2: shocked. I thought it would be five, ten tops. What's all this about, Robert?
0: What? No, thank you. I'm honored. No, I hope I don't disappoint. Everyone thinks you're serious. That's because I am serious, Lizzie. You know me.
2: I'm bound to ruffle a few feathers in this new job. I need you to smooth things over for me. Walk with me. if they hit the head. If you wanted to offer me a position, why didn't you ask me privately? Where's the fun in that? Besides, I knew you'd take it. I haven't taken it. Oh, is that a no? I didn't think so much as you may view me as a loathsome toad I know you're pragmatic and more predictably your ambitious nature will prevail you'll leapfrog five or six years that's not the point no the point is I'm handing this to you a fast track career independence in the OR the freedom to make your own schedule with the minor annoyance of course of having to report to me I don't view you as a loathsome toad Robert oh, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that Elizabeth I just I love the way she says loathsome toad I, also, I love her British mannerisms. Oh yeah, they are great. And I love I love the douchey classical music he has playing in mm-hmm. his office in the background. Perfectly sets the set the mood for uh what she's dealing with here.
1: You were so close to saying sets the tone.
2: And yet he you call right and yet there. you still called me out on it. I appreciate
1: that. Yep. I have to because you say the name of the show, you win a prize. Uh then we go over to Jeannie with baby Carlos and the NICU, and he is doing great on the HIV cocktail. For treatment um he has a normal white count and everything's looking good dcfs is going to discharge him soon unfortunately to an emergency intake center because they haven't found a foster placement for him genie is of course worried for him and we learn that his mother passed away yesterday
2: poor baby so carlos.
1: lots happening there
2: sweet baby carlos uh but then sweet, we literal baby carlos sweet literal baby carlos <laughs> We then go from there to our contractually obligated scene of Luca with a precocious child, uh, working on a young boy, Hunter, uh, is the child's name, who reminds us all that you talk funny. Uh, Mom scolds him. Carol explains that it's because Luca is from far away. Um, and turns out Hunter just has a viral infection, and but they're going to uh, do a strep test just to be safe. Uh, and when Carol points out that he hasn't, uh, prescribed Tylenol, he, uh, is like, that's how his body's fighting infection. Why would we stop that? And Carol is like, cause it'll make him feel better. <laughs> like, it's just very, uh, I do sort of like the, the like collision of Western and more kind of Eastern, uh, not, not Eastern specifically, but just like different parts of the world, different approaches yeah. to medicine, like, um, more traditional, yeah, more traditional approach. So, um, he ends up writing the script for Carol, but it's just a, it, it is a nice little moment, and I think it's also here too where he, uh, sh- we have firmly established that he's from Co- uh, Croatia. Yeah, uh, which I, I don't so. I don't think came up last episode. This is where they've kind of put a pin on the map and say that's that's where we he's just, from.
0: We learned yet yeah, last episode that he's a sub and his accent is. Dick. yeah i like
2: i like when the kid is like uh you know where are you from or whatever and he's like oh you know it's carol i think it's like oh it's from somewhere very far far away somewhere where it's already where somewhere where it's dark already <laughs> like explaining the time zone thing to the kid like yeah it's just it, it's I, i'm i'm enjoying early luca yes. also
0: i try to be more team luca on this one because i try to do that like whenever i have a fever I try not to avoid
2: we the stuff. We did have a
1: conversation about this like I paused it here and I was like, Which one do you do?
2: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you do have to like embrace the suck a little bit. Like
1: yeah. yeah. But I mean
0: if it's if it's like a low fever, like a hundred or something like that, like I'll mm-hmm. generally just ride it out and let the let my body do its thing. Right. Yeah.
1: If I'm miserable, I'm popping a Tylenol. Yeah, but exactly. generally I try like Liz Lizzie always is like, Do you need a Tylenol for something? And I'm I'll usually like I usually won't try to Take over-the-counter pain meds if I can avoid it, just because you know we all have too much of a tolerance to them already, and I want to keep them working for when I really need them. Yeah, but yeah, for fevers especially, give me some ice water, wrap me up in a blankie, and just let me sleep. Like,
2: yeah. like Jen, for example, every with every one of her booster shots that she's gotten, or every one of her her COVID shots that she's gotten, um, she has not taken Tylenol for it because she wants the. She wants, she immune. wants the full immune response. Like she doesn't want to blunt it at all. Yeah. You know, so, but. Which that totally was,
1: makes sense. Right. But I was just so afraid of getting a fever because febrile seizures. I was sure. just like, nope, don't even want to risk it. Tom, totally not a necessarily a warranted concern, but it's me. So I did it. But um, yeah, I know a lot of people said like, don't take it before, especially if you're going to take it at all. Take it after when you feel like crap, mm-hmm. if you feel like crap, but everybody go get vaxxed. If you're not vaxed, go get vaxed. If you're vaxed but not boosted, go get boosted. Everybody, go take care of yourselves.
2: Please. PSAs with Lauren.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. always got a Podcast mom. Exactly. Says so go get vaxed. All uh, right. Speaking of
0: family dynamics, uh, let's go. Let's go to our next audio clip. Uh, Benton is talking with a, a court-mandated therapist person. I guess. Yeah. It's weird to <sighs> talk about a therapist and then like have everything like be for court. Yep, it so happens. That's not normally it, a relationship I equate that to. So but.
1: divorce court. I was. I had to talk to s- several of these people when my parents split.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let Lauren take a stroll down memory lane and listen to this audio clip.
2: I told the mediator, I'm not trying to take Reese from Carla, but I can't let Carla take Reese from me. Do you think she's doing this to hurt you? Well, she doesn't seem to care. Do you care about her situation?
1: What is it? I've just never talked to a, a therapist before. Dr. Benton, I'm not here to psychoanalyze you. I only need to assess the family dynamic for the court. Well, it's simple.
2: Carla and I both love our son, but she's trying to take him away from me so her new husband can pursue his career.
1: How do you feel about him? Who, Roger? Yes. He's a decent guy, I guess. Good to your son? Yeah, sure. Loves him?
2: Look, why are we talking about Roger? Who cares about Roger? This is about me, Reese, and Carla.
1: Like it or not, he factors into this how do you think you'd deal with it if Carla was able to take Reese out of the country? That's not going to
0: happen. If it did? Don't be so f- full of yourself, Benton. This is court. Family court. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for... Jake has, Jake has tentatively agreed to do... <laughs> Softly to do a, agreed. Yeah, a, a law podcast about for Patreon all about this this case and how it unfolds. Yeah. Cannot wait.
2: Uh, and our therapist here, Ms. Wexler, uh, is played by actress uh, Bertilla, Bertilla Damas, uh, and she appeared in stuff like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Lucky, and Lodge 49. Neat. Cool.
1: Um, let me go over to Carter. He is up in surgery congratulating Lizzie on her new position. And she's like, mm, mm, how'd you hear? And he's like, everybody knows. Just, it was an announcement. Everybody knows.
0: Yosh heard through the door. He was
1: listening. Yosh was just everywhere at once listening to everybody's (laughs) business. And then while he's up there, he sees Elaine in a curtain, like in one of the surgeon's office, looking very unhappy in her like gown as she's draped, getting examined. So they share a meaningful glance. And then we cut away to Carol going in to talk to, um... Malucci's little old lady patient named Vanessa and she she brings a book to her and she says, oh, it was Paul's, so I keep it close, even though she voices some skepticism in religion when Carol recognizes the sacred heart on the cover of the book. And she's like, why would I believe? Blah, blah, blah. And Carol offers to bring her one of the priests that's on staff with the hospital and Vanessa says, no, it's not worth it. Don't do it. So... This is a very interesting patient for the episode. Uh,
0: Humaluchi never sees.
1: Humaluchi <laughs> trusts says he trusts Carol completely and never takes one look at this fucking patient.
0: Yeah, uh, Doctor Dave, hard at work here killing on it. all the hot patients. Uh, and then we go. Genius uh, talking to the to the DCFS guy. Uh, they're trying. She's trying to uh, be like, "Hey, yeah, no, I'll take Carlos. It's fine." But she's but she's not a licensed foster parent, so it's not quite that easy. Uh, she says, "Oh no, I'll I'll just get licensed while I take care of him." And then to, to my surprise, the DCFS guy actually was like, "No, that might not be a bad situation actually to put a child in." So um,
1: <laughs> it's fine. You,
0: who the, I imagine the the licensing uh, to become a foster parent is probably a pretty ridiculously arduous process. Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah, we sort of briefly looked into it when we were living in Alaska, and it's I would say a minimum probably of an eighteen month process, if really? not. Really? Yeah. Well, because With all the background checks, right, they have to do background and checks.
1: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant about you guys looking into it, not about the process. <laughs> I believe you on the process, but
2: <laughs> yeah, no, we actually were looking into it at one point. Um, but uh, as the reality of the healthcare system, or I'm sorry, the the foster care system. Um, the reality of it is, and I'm sure it's only magnified in Alaska and, a uh, you know, a place like that where resources are so limited. Um, the two populations that are most in need in the foster system are teenagers mm-hmm. and medically compromised children. And mm-hmm. as, you know, late 20 something people that those were the two populations we were the least equipped to help. Right. You know, yeah. we just didn't have the resources to be able to accommodate you know a teenager getting dropped into our laps at 28 or whatever we were um yeah yeah. and when you
1: still feel like teenagers yourself right
2: same with a with a medically compromised child you know it was like our we were renting a home we didn't have the ability to make the home more handicap accessible without the Mm. owner's permission like there was just all these obstacles in the way and so like once we kind of kind of got our eyes open to the realities of the situation we realized that now was not kind of the right time to deal with that and it just hasn't been the right time since you know it's one of those things that I think we would love to do someday but we just haven't had the time or the, the opportunity to present itself
1: Yeah, for the unsolicited record I think you guys would make awesome foster parents well thanks
0: I mean they already they have a new fur baby so shout
2: out to Desert.
0: <laughs> I love that you named him that also he's absolutely adorable yes. he's, he's um, cute boy no but yeah I think I think um Lauren and I have talked purely hypothetically, no way, shape, or form, realistic. <laughs> but like, were we ever to adopt a kid, it would be an older yeah. kid because the, because we recognize that that is a like a, a whole, tween. Yeah, that yeah. is a gap in
2: the foster system. It stability. is. It is very much yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, but if you're able to do it, I would. I certainly <laughs> encourage anyone who is able to do it to do it because you could really make a huge difference in in a child's life so
0: if you want to be pro-life you gotta be pro making it easier to foster pro
2: pro the entire life not just before they're born
0: yeah
2: Yeah. ah well now that i can step down off of that soapbox uh we go from there (laughs) to benton playing with reese uh when carla shows up for her meeting with the therapist uh, and as uh, Benton has to say goodbye to Reese, uh, so they can go in to meet with the therapist, Reese starts crying, and uh, both Benton and the therapist can't help but like take note of this, and like that Reese is not happy when he has to separate from Benton, uh, which can only help his case in this situation. So, sweet baby, uh, we go sweet literal baby. <laughs> Second time, sweet, <laughs> sweet what? Sweet literal, sweet literal baby.
1: baby.
0: Because we say sweet baby Carter, sweet baby we said, Jerry, we've said sweet, ba- yeah, sweet baby Jerry a lot. And so it's sweet, literal baby Reese. It's, and sweet literal it, it is, baby it is a fair,
2: fair distinction to make. Uh, but we go back down to the trauma room where Mark is working on the girl with melanoma. Uh, they're draining fluids to ease the pressure in her abdomen, uh, which Carter says he'll take up to the lab. Uh, Dad here asks to go use the payphone so that he can call her mother. Uh, I assume the implication is that they're separated or something or she's not around. Um, And Lizzie then comes in to talk to Mark as everybody kind of breaks off, uh, asks how everything was going, um, not just with this case, but also kind of Mark in general with uh, this is the first time, obviously, that they are communicating since Mark came back from San Diego. Uh, Sounds like what happened to his mom was that Things were going fine, no problems, and then all of a sudden, heart attack out of nowhere. Boom. Um, and so it sounds like he's uh, – she asks about how his dad is dealing with it and then how he's dealing with it, and he's like his dad is kind of numb to everything and is still working it out, and Mark is just, like, completely shut down to it. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, don't want to talk about it, Like, and then completely changes the subject and talks to her about her new position um, and really sticks his foot in his mouth here where he <laughs> says – What is Romano up to? Why'd he pick you? Marquee. There's a better way to phrase that. Would you like to? Or just
0: don't. Yeah, or just don't. But, like, there's got to be a a better way if you want to make that kind of point. Would
2: you like a do-over, sir? Like, oh, God. You can almost see the words hanging in the air there that he just wants to grab and put back in his mouth because he realizes what a fucking stupid thing that was to say. Uh, Because Lizzie immediately gets very upset with him about that. Uh, but Mark tries to recover and is like, yeah, but you can't trust that guy. Like he's screwed you over before and he'll do it again. And blah, 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 you know, trying to trying to save it. Um, which is a
1: legitimate point. It is. It but is. The he, he made it better. The way he does it is so just not great. Yeah.
2: But she's like, don't worry about it. It's my problem. Um, and this is a huge chance to advance my career, which is also true. So Yeah.
1: She gets to jump like six years worth of work in the U.S. to just have this position.
2: It is an undeniably great it's... opportunity for her.
1: Yeah. Then we go over to Dr. Dave's punk kid who asks when he can get his lip repierced. And um, he's like, yeah, I've let it heal for a while. And then Carter's like, did you even did you even have plastics come down? Like, I don't see anything. And Dave's like, yeah, you know, plastics thought I did a great job with the sutures so they didn't need to do anything else. Huh? Uh, then we find out Dr. Dave isn't going to see Vanessa at all. He's just going to let Carol handle her because she's stable. Real fucking cool dude. Um, Elaine shows up and scares Carter by blowing on his ear from behind like a psychopath. Yeah. Uh so, says she was in the neighborhood with a meeting in the Hancock building and completely ignores the fact that he saw her upstairs and it's just like this is such um, oh my god, Amanda Lee vibes. Yeah, a little bit. Just like the complete denial of reality.
0: Are we sure that Carter's actually alive at the end of this show? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he just gets killed in the next five episodes, and then the rest is just a hallucinogenic dream. Are we
2: sure that she's alive? Like, could we have could we have done some like six sense sixth sense shit here, and just made it at the end of these five episodes that she was never there? Like,
1: Mark, we are we are six seasons in, and I still have to get Lizzie to watch Sixth Sense with me. Just. <laughs> You see, Mark? No, Mark like, this down. Mark, mark this oh, I think, down. I, I did the same thing. I was Daniel like, marks. I was like, no, Is my name no sorry, no, Mark that. We, I, I said it weird. It's
0: on my Plex server. I know, and we in the unwatched folder. It. Having
1: it in your Plex server doesn't mean we've watched it.
0: It's true. <laughs> I have some pretty old movies in that unwatched folder. You just put Ghostbusters in there for God's sakes. I haven't seen. I I realize I've never actually seen the second one all the way through. You're, and you're not missing anything.
1: I enjoy number I, two. Thank you very much. I
2: loved after. We all enjoy so a good it, number two from time to time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> except
0: for Star Wars. Except for Star Wars episode two. Uh,
2: we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next, Lizzie?
0: What we do talk about is uh, Dave putting on his paramedic hat. Uh, Dave is uh, yell- yelling from outside about an ambulance rig and you know, whose rig is that? Whose rig is that? Where are they? Because um, a guy from a construction site uh, just down the block. Um, came in and like there was apparently a really bad accident and they need dude needs immediate medical attention dude needs immediate medical attention uh so dave is just like fuck it let's just we're here we're doctors let's fucking go and carter used the radio in the uh in the rig to like uh dispatch know what the hell's going on and he said he says like oh yeah it's just right on uh Clyburn or something like he missed there there's a Clyburn street but it's nowhere
2: near where they're supposed where the hospital is supposed to be at so I don't know what what's going on you there. mean to tell me that they're playing fast and loose with Chicago geography but
0: like there's <laughs> it, it it annoyed me because like they use like an almost street name or like Clybarn or something like that how are the hell it's
2: he just pronounced how it are weird.
0: the hell or, yeah, or someplace, but yeah, it's Clybourne Street. I used to work on Clybourne Street. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, regardless, it's not anywhere near where the hospital is theoretically at. Uh, but yeah, some machinery and steel I beams collapsed on one of the workers. Uh, gentleman's name is Mr. Sanders. He has a very weak and thready pulse. He's not breathing visibly. And Carter's doing a blind intubation on the guy while Dave gives him directions. And Dave's like, "Have you done this before?" And Car's like, "Yeah, once, not a kid ever."
2: I love uh, really I, I inspiring do, I to do the like, construction people. I do like the way that he's like, "Nope, that's his ear." Like, "Nope, that's his like." He misses the mark like two or three times. That's his chin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a hell of an introduction for Malucia. I will say that you know, as much as as mm-hmm. much as I dislike the character, like they are they're already giving him more to do than they gave Cleo to do last episode like you can tell where the the hierarchy is uh but we go from there back to mark sitting with amy the uh, girl with uh melanoma she is now awake uh takes her oxygen mask off uh to complain that she can't breathe uh mark ex- tries to explain to her where she is and that she needs to keep the mask on uh when she kind of breath breathily gets out that i don't want to die today and confirms that she wants to be put on a ventilator. And conveniently, right as she finishes that uh, statement, Lydia happens to walk in the room. Uh, couldn't have been there 30 seconds earlier when, so she could be a witness to this whole thing. Uh, she just happens to stroll in right as soon as the this girl makes her wishes clear. Uh, and so he asks Lydia to get things set up uh, for him to intubate her. And Lydia's like, but she's a DNR. Not anymore. Doesn't. Done, dun doesn't matter what medical show you're on there's never
0: going to be anyone no, to never. witness a patient you could be on ER Grey's Anatomy House Chicago Med whatever the fuck These you're patients
2: are waking up out of fucking comas and like looking both ways like they're going to cross the street before they tell the one other person in the room that they don't want their DNR anymore like
1: lol like the house would even pay attention to a dnr anyway
2: but but you know what i mean right just it's it's a very annoying trope in medical dnr like i don't care treat her with those mouse turds like or whatever weird treatment he's on that week
1: fair that's that's fair yeah uh then the dad is yelling at mark in the hall about amy and putting her on the ventilator um Carter and Dr. Dave run in with Mr. Sanders. Carrie is yelling at them to find out what happened. Whose films are those? And Benton runs in to help on the trauma. Moving fast here, people.
0: Uh, and more yelling at Mark. Uh, she d- and the da- uh, the dad's yelling at Mark. She does not want this. We decided. And Carrie shows up to intervene. And he's like, I. He's like, I don't have the drNR with me, but I can get the paper. But I can get the paperwork. It's. Somewhere close by, like in the yeah. car or something like that. He forgot it. Um, but Carrie says, now that your daughter is intubated, it gets a little more complicated. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then we go to Mr. Sanders' trauma. There's just a series of good lines here that I had to get as they're working on it. Um, so Malucci and Carter come in and Benton says, let the doctors take it from here. To which Malucci responds, I am a doctor. And one of the EMTs saucily responds, "He only thinks he's a paramedic." We learn that Doctor Dave is in fact a second-year resident, and Benton goes, "Hold on there, Doctor Dave." And Carter leans over and goes, "Call him Doctor Pete." <laughs> and that—that's where I lost it. I was oh. like, "Oh my God!" Line he's of the get episode fired on his third day, um, and. Benton kicks Dave out of the trauma, and as he's headed out, Dave knocks over some trays to throw a fit. And so, of course, the, the nurses then have to re-sterilize and get new tools in for the trauma because, fuck, Dave.
0: Not only is he a, a child, not only is a he's a is he a fuck boy, he's a petulant child as little well. A yep.
2: little bit, yeah, a little bit. It's one of my like this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. the The interplay between both Benton and Malucci, uh, and Carter and Malucci. And everything is all great. Like the the that line, call him Doctor Pete, might be my line of the episode. Like that is just chef kiss perfect.
1: Because it's it's the way Carter delivers it too. Just call him Doctor Pete. Yeah,
2: let's see what happens. Like he he just wants to watch the show. Um, He wants
0: yeah. He wants Dave to fuck around and find
2: out. Yeah. Um. But my underrated favorite bit um, is at the very end of the scene after he uh, flips the he he flips the um. The tray with all the instruments and stuff on it and storms out of the room and he flips it kind of in the vicinity of Carol like it's sort of like it does nothing hits her but it's just sort of kind of in her area and Benton does this really nice thing where he like turns and puts his hand on on uh, Carol's like lower back and he's like Carol are you okay. And, and like, and she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And he, and he like brings her into the the trauma and he's like, well, help me with this and whatever. Like, it's just this, this really nice little character moment between these people that you sort of forget sometimes have been working together for like probably close to a decade at this point.
1: Yeah. So then we quick go out into the hall. We find out that Amy's dad is going to call their lawyer. And that brings us into our next audio clip of Carrie and Mark having a lovely conversation and then some fallout from Dave's impulsive actions. Mark, what are
2: you doing? My job, Carrie, it's not your problem.
1: It is my problem, I'm head of the department. Right.
2: By title, remember? You said so yourself. I don't know what your problem is, but if you ever steal my gear again, I'm gonna kick your ass. Yeah, right. He wasn't breathing. Did they teach you the importance of an airway and power? Zadra, we didn't know where the hell you were, and it sounded important, and it was right down the street. What
1: if we were called to another site and didn't have our equipment? Well, it's right in
2: there. Why don't you go rip it out of his throat? Okay, let's
1: break it out. This is not the appropriate time or place.
2: You wanna take it outside? Oh, yeah, I'll take it outside.
1: Oh, come on, nobody is taking anything anywhere. Zadro, go back to work.
2: What's the point? I got doctors to do it for you. Go
1: back to work. Get out of here. You two, hold on, hold on, get back here. Can we tell you what happened? I heard what happened. Do You have a brain between you? Dr. Weaver, no, we called no. them. No, I talk, you listen. You work in this hospital, not on the street. You are not trained for it, you are not covered for it, and you have patients here who need your attention. One of them might have coded, or, or we might have been hit with two or three other traumas while you were off playing paramedic. Were you? Don't even start with me, Dr. Malucci. I'm only cutting you this much slack because you're new here, and you, Carter, you should know better. You're emergency residents, not paramedics. Is that understood? IS IT UNDERSTOOD?
0: That was great, Dave. Thanks, I appreciate that.
2: Oh, I love the way she says that. Mm
1: -hmm. Don't
2: start with me, Dr. Malucci. Also, what the hell, Zadro? I love the way he says, "I'm gonna kick your ass." <laughs> like that's yeah. that, that is a no, great line made by but him. Just,
0: but just like, since when is he territorial?
1: I think it's more the fact that they're right. What if they had been called away and they didn't have their shit in their rig? I
0: know, but it's no. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But just like the like. This is- well i
2: do i do also think that it's probably a little different to had it been like carter by himself or mark or anybody else i think it's the fact that it's malucci who's kind of a hothead and kind of a dickhead and so like and there. he's and
1: three days and, in. right
2: and he's probably made quite an impression in his short time on staff that like the the term habitual line stepper comes to mind when thinking about malucci and so i'd imagine he's probably already had one or two run-ins with the emt's in his brief time at county so i would imagine that uh, this was just like the straw that broke the camel's back where he's like i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs>
0: that's fair which is
2: again a tier line read. excellent job there by zadro nobody's taking anything outside <laughs> i know uh big mama carrie energy there too like just put your dicks away and just separate yeah uh so good So then we go from there uh, back to Jeannie talking with DCFS and the NICU nurse. uh, And she is in huge trouble for testing Carlos illegally for HIV. My, my, my. If it isn't the consequences of her own actions. Uh, Yeah. Uh, He says that it's not going to affect his determination of Jeannie as the potential caretaker. And then she whips on him as he's trying to leave. She whips on him that, is it because I'm black? Uh, and then that Carlos is Hispanic, um, which I wasn't quite sure exactly. I mean, I guess it was just the fact that statistically speaking, he may be trying to predetermine that she would be less likely to care for the child because
1: I th- I don't know I what think it's I don't more, know what either side is th- getting at. I think it's more um, the interracial placement. OK, I think sometimes that's um, that can be a deterrent. Sure. They
2: like I think a Hispanic baby should be with a Hispanic
1: family, yeah, maybe. Yeah.
2: Um, and then he does uh, he does admit or or concede that her HIV status uh, doesn't help, um, being that you know, yes she's uh, she's well treated and she is uh, you know got her 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 illness is under control right now, but can she say the same thing uh, when the child is five or 10 or, you know, and then she rightfully responds with, can anybody, you know, does anybody have the ability to say that they're going to be healthy um, in five years or 10 years or whatever it is. So she's continuing to argue for it. And eventually he just shuts the whole thing down and is like, I'm sorry, it's not going to work out. And she's crushed. Understandably.
1: Devastated.
2: And
0: then Benton and Corday are wheeling Mr. Sanders up to the OR and Romano in true Romano fashion, pulls the most Romano move, and says Benton can't go into the OR because he has an ER trauma fellowship and his credentials do not clear him for the OR. Hmm. Hmm. Even though he has been. Hmm. Says uh, Corday gets to operate by herself as due to, due to her, the new position, and that she calls and that she is to call security if Benton tries to enter the OR to operate. Yikes. And he's just, and is like, what the absolute fuck? And Rocket and Romano's just like, you chose this. What a petty motherfucking asshole. Yeah. I know it doesn't last, this doesn't last long, but, like,
2: but like. Even by Romano standards, it's pretty petty.
1: Yeah. And then we go over to Mark, who is sitting out in the hall and Carol comes by and asks if he's all right. He tells her what's going on with Amy and her dad. And Carol tells him to take a few days off, to which he responds, I just had a week off. She goes, that wasn't a vacation, Mark. Losing a parent is one of the most stressful things you can do. Take some time for yourself.
2: Yeah. Um, Fair points. Sounds like our group chat. You're not going to be
0: okay after a week after losing a parent.
1: Yeah. Um, especially
0: if you were actually like yeah. them.
2: All time, all yep. time yep. off is not created equal.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then Vanessa is asking Carol where the hell the priest is and why one isn't there. And Carol was like, you told me not to, oh my God. (laughs) And she runs to go ask for a priest for Vanessa. And then um, Carrie applauds Jeannie for wanting to be a foster parent, to which Jeannie responds, too many things are stacked against her and it's not going to work out. And and Carrie helpfully says, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. So very good, good, through line of their friendship. But Carrie
2: doesn't know about the illegal
1: HIV test. of course not. Um,
2: details
0: but Carrie does but Carrie does pull Marcus aside uh, about the cancer the uh, cancer daughter Amy and her father um they argued what they argued about what the hell happened about the DNR and whether or not she's to be resuscitated um and cuz Carter's Carter's kind of starting to get mixed up in the situation cuz he's like her pressure's dropping like what do I do <laughs> um he just noticed he was walking by and noticed the monitor was was signaling that um and carrie tells carter to do nothing and mark says carrie will need to fire him before he gives up caring for amy Whew. yeah drawing a line in the sand
1: and the concrete more like it
2: so then we go from there to see carol asking randy where the updated lists of priests are for the hospital Uh, And uh, Luca gets her dopamine to help Vanessa last until they can get a priest uh, to come down. This will lead to something a little bit later on. Uh, We then go from there to Lizzie uh, tries to argue about Peter getting the chance to operate. And Romano uh, finally acquiesces a little bit here and he says, for you, Lizzie, anything. And she officially accepts his offer of the position and and is immediately informed that she'll be needing to fire people, which... Which is a great shit sandwich to have dumped in your lap.
0: This is not the last
2: time we will see this trope when uh, personnel gets promoted promoted, and immediately has to fire people. Yeah, I've never had this particular situation dumped in my lap, but I have had the, you just got promoted and it just so happens that it's time for employee evaluations. Uh, And so you have to tell people, you know, what they're, you know, assess their job performance and you're in charge of how much, if any uh, amount of a raise they'll be getting this year. uh, When just mere days ago, you were their equal and now you are their superior. And it's not a great position to be in. Let me tell you.
0: Aren't you glad your promotion, Lauren, didn't come with that nonsense?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) At least not that particular flavor of nonsense came with lots of other nonsense, but. Um, so we then see, uh, Carter asking Lizzie about Elaine being in radiology today. Uh, just doing a, doing a bit of a HIPAA violation as
1: little, little as
2: you do regular,
0: not a bit, this is a Jesus Christ, little,
1: little HIPAA violation is a
2: regular, regular Thursday at County General. Let me tell you. Um, and, uh, Lizzie says that she's getting a second opinion for a mastectomy. So things are not all well in Elaine's world. But uh, Amy is crashing. Carter runs in to deal with her,
0: tells them to get Mark. Uh, Carrie runs in and says, no, I'll take it from here. And Carter tries to argue to get, at least give her a little lidocaine. And Carrie's like, nope, we do nothing. Don't touch her.
1: <laughs> this is all so well done between yes. these three, though. Like, um, And then we go over to Vanessa, who is sitting with Luca. Um, because he's in all black, he is acting like a priest for her. Um, she asks if she can be blessed, and he pauses for a moment, and then murmurs something in what we later find out is a blend of Croatian and Latin. And Carol watches this whole thing through the from the door because she was going in to check on Vanessa. Um, this Mark is, then oh, But before into, we move on to that, oh, just this is, oh, oh.
2: this is this is his like arrival moment. I think like this is yep. his first yep, yep, yep. great moment on the show. First of many. When,
1: when we when we see who Luca really is is right here. Yeah. yep. Um, and then Mark runs into the sound of Amy crashing, and he tries to get the room to rally and to treat her. No one is helping because I believe it's Carter, Carrie, Mark, and Halle. I think. So. I think. Yeah. And um, he says, "We do this, or I go." Um, to Carrie, Carrie shakes her head a little bit and just takes one step back and Mark and Carter work on Amy together.
2: Carter and then Carter is doing oh. his best uh, Jesse Pinkman with the glass of water meme. Like yes. he's like so caught between what to do between Carrie and Mark. He's like, Oh my, my parents are fighting. I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's, yes. he's stood up on the gurney with his hands on Amy's chest, ready to do chest compressions. And he's just frozen there. Like, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm, I listen to both yeah. of you all the time. Who do I listen to? Shit. Like he has no idea.
0: But then honestly, if there's one reason to watch this episode, it goes into this really excellently put together, at least I thought it was excellent, put together montage of Luca's Luca's words and what he's saying to Vanessa and him doing his Croatian Latin prayer uh, prayer thing
1: blessing. Uh,
0: yeah, blessing. And also while Mark and Carter are wor- are working on Amy and then you get like get a little bit of Luca and then you then you hear Carrie saying she want she, she said she wanted a ventilator. Did you say, did she say she wanted this? And more Luca and then Carrie saying, "Did she say uh did she say she wanted you pounding on her chest or shocking her heart?" Like
1: Carrie
0: just bring in the goods. Yeah. Like this is such a
2: visual scene I can't really. No. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's 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 beautifully done. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an excellent back and forth montage.
2: Good good uh good collision of like letting somebody go gently versus like fighting every last, you know, till the very last yeah. breath like kind of thing. Like props to the editing department, both mm-hmm. video and audio.
0: Absolutely. It's excellently done.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Vanessa and Amy both flatline, and Mark tells Carter to stop.
0: Tonal shift time. Uh, Let's go to our next audio clip. Jeannie and Reggie are talking about marriage.
1: Hey there. Hi. What are you doing here? I need to talk to you. What's wrong? I've been thinking. Oh, oh. No, listen. That day when you proposed to me, most of me just wanted to scream yes and run to the courthouse and do it right then. Most of you. But the rest of me was scared. I... I knew that I loved you, but I've just been with this little baby who needed a mother. And I knew instantly that I wanted to be that mother. I didn't want to say yes for the wrong reason. I see. But they told me today that I can't have it. Baby,
0: hey, I'm sorry. No, it's
1: OK. It's OK, because I know that I really do want to marry you.
2: I know that. You still want to marry me? <laughs> yes.
0: okay. This all is still really rushed to me. A little me. bit, a little bit. Just an underbaked storyline. Like it's like it's cute and all, but just it's just everything just feels underbaked. Well,
2: and it's a little it's a little it- unsatisfying too, given that we know. That it none of this really ultimately matters. Like she's not really getting a happy ending. They're making it seem like she's getting a happy ending, but she's really not. Because when she comes back in season, you know, fourteen or whatever, like all of all of shit, this yeah. has gone to shit. Like so, it's kind of it's kind of like bittersweet. Yeah.
1: It took me until this second listen through to really understand what the hell she was even talking about. Because the way the way um, she says it the first time when we watched this for notes, I was like. Okay. Like I didn't quite get like what the emotional impact was that she was trying to convey and then now I'm like, oh, okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah. So it was just it was a it was a, like we said, this whole thing's rushed and weird and I don't know. But I'm happy that Jeannie is seemingly potentially getting something happy. Yay. I guess. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, well, we go from there back inside where Carol and and Luca are having a discussion. Where Carol point blank asks him, "Isn't it a sin to fake a sacrament?" <laughs> to which Luca's like, "Ah, you know, it was Croatian shrugs. It was a blessing, yeah, not a sacrament. Anyone can do a blessing." Uh, and she says, "You know, how did you know what to say?" And he was like, "I just faked it. A little bit of Latin, a little bit of Croatian, like, um, so yeah." And, again, they're having this this conversation in the medicine lockup, uh, the the, the Hathaway Memorial Closet, as we coined it, uh, either last time or two before. Um, And uh, she complains about the twins kicking, uh, to which he smiles and asks if he can feel her stomach, uh, to which she, uh, you can almost tell that she does the mental calculation of, like, yeah, he's hot enough. He can touch my stomach. (laughs) Like, she kind of, like, she looks at him and she's like, yeah, <laughs> but her face is still like
1: I don't like people touching. Yeah, like we can we can have this weird moment. This is fine. You seem okay. She's like
2: in thirty yeah. seconds there will be a moment that's ten times weirder than this. So we can have one weird moment as a treat.
1: I get to <laughs> I get to talk about it.
0: Yeah, you want me to
1: talk about it? I'd rather you talked about okay,
0: it. Okay, so so switch from cutesy baby talk to. Uh,
2: Full-on softcore porn. Pretty much. They really dialed it up to 11. They are pushing that envelope.
0: Yeah, Carter and Elaine are having sex, and Carter's just laying there like a fish while she does all the work. So, Carter, come on. You can...
1: No, we're not... A little more enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren
2: wants out. Lauren's tapping out. Mm -mm. Yeah.
1: I'm done.
0: And she, just by by the way he's looking at her and his sort of body language, she realizes that... um, He knows about the cancer. He did a little too much uh, information digging. Um, And she rightly kicks him out. But not before. I think it was three instances of full-on HD nipples and at least two instances of
2: Bush. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is America. We've had at least two instances of Bush already. Um, You know what I mean.
1: Ha, ha, ha. uh... But I, I I will say... The latter was hardly noticeable. You had to have paused um, and
2: Lizzie's go- Lizzie's doing a frame by frame analysis.
0: I no, I was like just looking at the whole because you because uh, you could clearly see. I was like, can you see anything the, else? The nipples, like, the nipples and, thing I'll... was
2: definitely like that was both pointed out in the IMDb trivia and like it's kind of plainly noticeable, like especially yeah. on like you know HD screens and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's which I don't know how they got away with those that. Who, those you with HBO Max.
0: Now Jesus, Lizzie. <laughs> I want HBO Max. But- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I,
2: I have no idea. How, I mean, it must have just been that it was standard definition and you're expecting smaller screens, and it's, it is a dark, dimly lit scene. But just, like, why bother? Like, why why do yeah. it that way? Like, And this is far and away. Like, this is straight, like Lizzie said, this is straight-up softcore porn. Like, there's we've had si-
1: for the first third. We have seconds had of it, we least, have had yeah.
2: simulated sex scenes before that have been, but they're usually like over the top. Like I'm thinking like yeah. season one, uh, Doug and um, what was her what's her face, Linda Farrell. Like there was like a yeah, couple yeah. of things with them where there was like cartoonish <laughs> or cartoonish blanket moving and squeaking or noises. Mark and Jennifer or Mark and Jennifer. Yeah. Like there was lots of like, but it but it was always taken in this like comedic, cartoonic, uh, cartoonish. Um, context. This is like weird erotic thriller sensual, sensual thing that yeah. like I was like this is,
0: Elaine, I fully expected her to stab Carter in the chest during this scene. <laughs> Go full
2: <laughs> basic instinct.
0: Exactly. Uh, I
1: was uncomfortable the whole time because oh, I'm, sure I'm a prude.
0: Oh yeah. And we love you, Lauren.
1: I'm uh, not a prude, I'm just ace and it, the straights gross me out. <laughs> Just kidding. If it was anybody, it would have weirded me out. I was going to say, if it
0: was two guys or two women... It doing... would have been
1: a little more okay, but still would have made me uncomfortable.
0: Fair enough. Uh, so let's round out this weird-ass episode of... Uh, just with... With uh, the most... So- I think the most soap opera scene we may yeah, have what had. Yeah, what the fuck? We've, we've had yet, we may have had yet. Uh, but Benton is heading up the L stairs when uh, Carla shows up.
1: Peter! Peter! Did you hire a private investigator?
2: What? Some guy talked to Daphina and asked her if I've ever done drugs. Whoa, 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 Carla, look, the only person I hired was my lawyer. Well, did he get this guy to start asking questions about me? No. I, look, I don't know.
1: Why are you doing this? Why am I doing You're this? Restraining orders and
2: lawyers. Carla, I only have one son. Roger can get another damn job. This is a great opportunity for us, Peter. What about Reese, huh? You ever think about that? I mean, you want to take him away from his
1: father? You may not even be his father. What? He might not be yours. Th- there was somebody else who was just casual, and then there was you. I did it for Reese. Now, he needed a father, and Roger can be that father. Reese me
2: now. is my son, Carla. This is my son. I like to think that the screeching L breaks in the background are the... That's the audience surrogate right there. (laughs) Hold on. What? What did you say?
1: (laughs) So I completely forgot this happened for a minute. So when this came up, I did the the -the over-the-top gasp, and then for some reason, it just kept going for 30 to 40 seconds until Lizzie hit me.
0: Oh, I thought... Okay, so... Okay, I'm just gonna go into spoiler territory for the rest of the storyline. Sure. I could have sworn that this happened much closer to her death.
2: Yes. I sort of thought that this was a post-death revelation. I sort Yeah, I, that's what I thought, I, I too. I sort of thought that this was one of those things that, which I guess maybe they confirm it eventually, because I think they do eventually confirm that it yeah, is, there is not a only, test not only yeah. is it not Benton, but it's not Roger either. So, like, yeah. it's... So, that's what, that's plays a huge part into
0: the custody case after Carla passes. Right. So... And- yeah, and how and and a large part of why it eventually comes down in Benton's favor is because he, he's been acting as father. Yeah, he led he was led to believe he had full parental rights.
2: Yeah. Oh boy, nice little escalation of uh, things to end the episode there. Uh, which, yeah. as like like you mentioned, it kind of turns a little bit soapish there, like a little bit of kind of a you know clutch the pearls gasp moment, but
0: and. And what sh- and what's it? Uh, and Jake makes fun of me for liking Gray's
2: anatomy. <laughs> Here's a perfectly. I mean, this is still. I would. I would argue moment. relatively grounded, but it's um, that's fair. But it does lead to a very good, kind of intense Benton performance there. Like a very yeah. like he he really sells that because if it was up to fucking Miss uh, Germany Hamburg here, uh, I don't think she would do as good of a job selling it as as Benton does. And also, this leads to
0: like the best parts of the storyline Benton giving impassioned speeches in court of yes. why no, Reese is my son. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. And leads to some of the best Benton acting moments in the entire series. So I'll allow it. Yeah. Also, I will give this episode an eight out of ten. There's the Elaine stuff is unnecessary. The softcore porn was unnecessary. And it I just I I'm not a fan of the trope of the DNR being revoked with only one witness and no one else trusting that witness mm. and maybe it's just because I've watched too many medical dramas in my life yeah. but but you know, it is
2: definitely a, a trope that gets used quite a bit and yeah it's among my least favorite
1: i would give it probably a 9 just cuz i think malucci's entrance is very strong and very colorful and it tells us exactly who he is oh, right yeah. away mm-hmm like we said we see the true Luca start to shine through here we really get some very good groundwork for who he ends up being in the series yeah. um we you know again Benton strong work yeah we see th- we see the friction between now that Carrie is formal chief what that means to her and what that's going to mean to the staff we get to see the chaos that Romano's going to cause this season by yeah. having this much <laughs> power Like, it just, it lays such good groundwork for where we're going, and I... It was one that I definitely I enjoyed taking the notes on and for an episode to be that good, I have to give it a nine. Yeah. That that's, I didn't I didn't hate the note taking process I, during
0: it. I would like to point out the fact that I still really enjoyed this episode for pretty much all of the points that Lauren brought up. It's just I just have a personal dislike yeah. of that story. Yeah, no, I, and I, DNR storyline. I
2: think those are I think your concerns are totally valid because I, I still agree and I still maintain that like the Elaine stuff does not work on any level.
1: Nope. No, oh god, it's, oh, no. it's
2: weird as hell um i think she's kind of i mean she's doing her uh, rebecca de mornay like she's doing her brand like you can't argue or, or you can't fault her for doing what she's good at i just think that the character is miscast and i think it's a strange kind of amalgamation of all of the women he's been involved with up till now and with a little sprinkle of marg helgenberger in there from doug's storyline um and it was just the the whole the whole idea of this storyline i think is kind of ill conceived. And so it is detracting from the early parts of this season for sure. I just keep telling myself that it's over in five episodes, and and yeah. mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be gone soon. Mm-hmm. It'll be a, three more episodes. Yeah, yeah. we can. Do it, it. It'll be a distant memory by the time we get to the end of this season.
1: I definitely did conflate her with Roxanne. I mixed them into one storyline. Oh yeah, totally. Now now that we're here, completely. Totally,
2: yeah. And I just. Yeah, that, that's kind of the biggest glaring red flag for me with this episode. And like you said, Lauren, the Malucci stuff, while I still have my grand distaste for the character himself, this is a very strong opening for him. And it is a very authentic sort of portrayal of what the character is going to be like. Right. The, the character of Dave Malucci is fully formed here. Like he's not gonna get any better. Like we don't have any weird uh, early episode awkwardness where we're trying to figure out what kind of character he is. He's pretty much the same asshole in episode one as he is in his last episode.
0: Yeah. He is our comic relief doctor for better or worse. Kind
2: of. Yeah, pretty much. And, um and, and for me, I think uh Luca is the, the, the thread holding this episode together um entirely. Mm-hmm. Like, if it were not for him, I think this would be a very middle-of-the-road episode, uh, if not worse, whereas he takes this episode and really does elevate it into that you know, 7, know, 9 category where it's above average to really good uh, because we do yeah. sort of get that glimpse into, like, holy shit, not only is he here just to be, like, the eye candy for the female audience, you know, but he's also, like,
1: the soul candy.
2: Right. He can fucking bring it when he wants to, and mm-hmm. and we get the first glimpse of that. Mm-hmm. What the listeners have to say about it, Lauren?
1: Oh, they had plenty today. Oh, yeah, uh, always. Starting out with Katie H. says, Oh, Carter and Melucci trying to play Paragod. I roll emoji, that is all. Carrie's take on this was amazing. Frater W. says, Consider this my standing order to, for a rousing fuck-off, Dave, for all season six episodes. Also, Carter worrying about ethics and who to listen to with Amy, the end-stage cancer patient but has absolutely no qualms about lying barefaced to Elizabeth to get information about Elaine, and for no one's benefit but his own? Such a control freak. That Baker gal says, just, just fuck Malucci. That's all I have to say. Basic Mall says, I just feel bad for Mark and his dad. I do always like seeing them on screen together though. It begins, my least favorite character I hate Malucci so much it's not funny. I genuinely want to punch him. Can we just get Corday to give him the riot act already? And at full-time dad says, For starters, it's crazy to think that in just two and a half years from this point, the only greens left standing will be Rachel and Ella. But back to the episode. It's the first where we see the developing power dynamic between Mark and his new boss, Carrie, and I feel bad for Mark. It's almost like running a race and watching yourself get lapped. The story of the girl dying of cancer and the tug-of-war between Carrie and Mark over it was heartbreaking. Was heartbreaking, But nothing is as heartbreaking as the debut appearance of Dave Malucci. As excited as I was to see Luca stride into the ER the previous episode with his perfect hair, devilish smile, and thick accent, I was equally repulsed by Malucci's immediate lack of professionalism and braggadocio. As Carrie would later say, He has a cowboy approach to medicine, but doesn't have the skills to make it up. It's nice to see Jeannie back in rotation after the late season 5, Nadir, even if it's only for a handful of episodes. She's exactly what Carlos needs, and vice versa. Going back to Luca, can we talk about his last rites? He's such an underrated actor, and that scene serves as his unofficial I've arrived moment. So good. And finally... What's up with the softcore porn opening music with Rebecca De Mornay's character? Weirdest cold open yet. SMB for the win, trying to kill me with this last one, good god, says, Starting off with the feels. Can't pick on Mark. Yet. I do love episodes where we get the father and son green duo. You know what I also really love? Romano, throwing hand grenades left and right. Don't want Lizzie running off with hot surgeon? Don't like Peter and Lizzie whispering in the back of meetings? Want Lizzie's attention? Want a blanket apology for being a prick? Only one solution. Promote her publicly without consulting her first. Yes, ladies, gentlemen, and the cleaning crew lurking outside my hotel room, surprise promotions solve all your problems if you're a short surgeon with a Napoleon complex who can't speak to a woman without embarrassment or assholery. The positive side is the absolutely adorable look of shock on Alex Kingston's face. Let's be honest, though. Romano knows her well, and associate chief is perfect for her. She probably skipped off to the phone to gloat to her father when she had five minutes to herself. Reese is, yet again, the most adorable person on the show, and we need a Reese cuteness scale going forward. We now come to the point where I'm not nice to Mark, so be warned. Yeah, but why'd he pick you, Dr. Green? This right here is why you're divorced. (laughs) If my husband had ever said that to me, I'd be hiding a body. Lizzie has been a surgeon for approximately eight going on nine years and has worked in two countries. I'd say she's qualified. This is the point where I start feeling bad for Mark, though, when everything that's happened with his mother and now he has to take that baggage to work. Carrie is just trying to do her job and I thought she was very gracious about it considering the circumstances. Let's end on the note of Romano looks far too good in his tux. That's more on McCrane being naturally charming, something that makes watching his character more fun. Be honest, though. Who wouldn't want to get dressed up to flirt with Corday? I sure as hell do.
0: I would, too. <laughs> all right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, folks. Thank you all very much for listening. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com Sign the Tone Podcast. And we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y o u.e They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial.
0: And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lobob92345, retweeting about how I am also on The Popular Court YouTube for a while with Lizzie doing a Let's Play of Diablo 3 each week. Nice. And that's Wednesdays
0: and I am doing a let's play of Mass Effect 2 by myself um, it's not really co-op in that game so uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday and you can find those videos and much 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 more at youtube.com slash the popular court thanks again everyone very much for listening please join us again next time and have a great week